0: As was mentioned during announcement time, we got a lot of people sick and under the weather, so uh, notice that, maybe uh, reach out to them today, and indeed we do miss them and hope they can make it back, and hopefully everyone who's sick gets healthy since we're going to have travelers gone, so so, uh, anyway, it's great that uh, we can be together this morning and assemble together as we're taught in the New Testament and worship God. And I tell people all the time, there's nothing you do more important in your week than what we're doing right now. This is awesome that we're able to approach God's throne and uh, it is just unbelievable that we can uh, worship Him and know that it's acceptable to Him. Well, we've been working through Ecclesiastes. I still haven't decided, well, next week I'm going to be in Texas, Lord willing, but Uh, I haven't decided if chapter 12 is going to all happen in one week, or I might break it into two weeks, so uh, we'll see, but um, this week is rather interesting week in uh, chapter 11, and I think about it, you know, you just need to get on with things, you know, people put off everything, put off this and put off that, and find reasons why they shouldn't do this and shouldn't do that, you think in the very first part, he says, don't be wasteful, uh, cast your bread on the surface of water, for you will find it after many days. Divide your portions to seven or even eight, for you do not know the misfortune may occur on the earth. i tell you what, Americans could learn that. Because usually they spend all they got and more and work themselves in a, No, you've got to put something back so that you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. We can be in, just unbelievable in that and uh, so wasteful, and not thinking about uh, how to be expedient and how to do what's right. I think about, whenever I read that, my mind crosses a fellow named Joseph in Egypt, and God gave him, uh, miraculously, the knowledge of seven years of plenty, which would be followed by seven years of famine. Well, to learn, you better... He doesn't let us know when it's coming, so you better get ready. And, of course, the main thing is when you look at it on a spiritual thing, we've got to be ready because one day the Lord's coming. And we've got to make sure we don't lay up our treasures on earth where moth and rust destroys and where thieves break in and steal, but we've got to lay up our treasures in heaven uh, where those benefits will last for eternity. But I think as we go on into... Um, chapter 11, and we get, and he, he uses all these analogies about if the clouds are full, they pour out rain upon the earth, here in verse 3, and then he goes on and says, he who watches the wind will not sow, and he who looks at the clouds, you know, we were talking about that a little bit, and if you work outside, I mean, if you work inside, you got an inside job, you doesn't work much, but if you're a farmer in uh, construction work, whatever, If you go looking at tomorrow's forecast, it might say rain, but you don't know how much of the day you could have got in before it starts raining. So don't worry about it. Just get on with it. And a lot of times people call things off thinking it's going to happen, something's going to happen, and it never happens. You know, I've seen that with, well, we're going to call off school tomorrow because they're forecasting snow and it doesn't snow. That's exactly what it says. Don't be foolish. You do not know what tomorrow will bring, and neither does the weatherman. And neither does anybody else. So you get on with it right now because you've got, we've talked about this so many times, and he's dealt with it through the book of Ecclesiastes several times. You've got today. Yesterday's gone. You got today. Tomorrow might never be here. We've got to take care and get on with things today. And so you think about that. He says, you need to get on with the work. You need to quit putting it off. You need to do this. So I think about that idea, and I wrote down here, get on with it, and then I wrote down a song I sang since I was a kid, I want to be a worker for the Lord, and I remember my step-grandpa who said, we need to quit wanting to be a worker, and we need to get to work. And so, yeah, we need to want to do it, but we really need to push on and make sure that we do what the Lord would call us to do. So the Bible, most people work harder at getting out of work than they would do if they just did the job. Sometimes I think about that when people are panhandling on the side of the road. They're standing out in sometimes some pretty miserable. It had been easier if they just got a job and went to work. Like, what is your problem? If you look over, I'm going to read a passage in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 15. Listen to this, and we're going to look at a bunch of passages. But he says, laziness casts into a deep sleep, and an idle man will suffer hunger. Well, I tell you what, lazy people sleep a lot more than energetic people do. And they find all kinds of reasons to sleep a little more and sleep a little. And you you know how much work you get done when you're sleeping? Absolute. That's the epitome of laziness. That's what he's telling you. He says, you got to get up and get on with it. I don't feel like it. Well, sometimes you got to do what you're supposed to do. Did you think Jesus felt like going to the cross? Well, you haven't read about the Garden of Gethsemane, but you got to do it anyway. And Christianity, I wasn't in your class. Dennis just talked to me out out there a little bit. Christianity's going to take you further than you ever planned on going, and you're going to have to give up more than you ever thought when you first become a Christian. But the benefits, I like this term, are out of this world. But we've got to understand the Lord is depending on you and me. I've heard the prayers this morning uh, talking about the idea of us being evangelistic. If we don't do it, no one will. And you can't wait till tomorrow. When the opportunity arises, you've got to take advantage of it. Wow. We've got to remember those things. I think about another one, uh, one of the parables that Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 25. And he talks about um, the idea of these talents that are given to these people. And the one-talent man is paid one of the greatest insults, from my perspective anyway, you wicked, lazy slave. Now, you, why was he wicked and lazy? Well, I was afraid. So fear can be the reason you're lazy. There can be all kinds of reasons. I'm telling you, there's no legitimate reason. So we've got to make sure we get on with the work. And I think about this one that we read here in Proverbs, uh, chapter 19 and verse, the idle man will suffer hunger. Yeah, you even see that over in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, don't you? If a man doesn't work, what? Don't be feeding him. You know what? If you don't eat long enough, I bet you'll take whatever job comes. And it always amazes me when I'll see the placards at something. I'm not saying, I've seen people that are serious about it, but I see they always say, we'll work for food. Next time you see that, I don't care what job you cut, co- just tell them, hey, I tell you what, I might have a job for you. Ready? I'm telling you 90% of them will turn you down right now. Well, I can't do this and I can't do this. You Stand out here and ask for everyone else's hard-earned money. The point being is, we've got to get on with ourselves. And there were people in the first century in Thessalonica who were draining the church. Brethren who were just planning on every other brother taking care of them. Wow, it's one thing if you can't take care of yourself, isn't it? And you think about it in James chapter 1, the last verse, verse 27 pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God is to, I'll quote the King James. Visit widows and orphans, and they don't mean make a visit. It means take care of them in their distress and keep oneself unstained from the world. Why widows and orphans, which really means fatherless there? Why? Because in their day and age, they couldn't take care of themselves. Well, if someone can't take care of themselves, we have a But if they can and they don't, I guess they're going to go hungry. And that's what the Bible teaches, and that's what is true. I think about even on the spiritual level, I'm going to have you turn to a passage with me that we've read many times and we know, but I want you to see it again over in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12 when we talk about work. Philippians 2 and verse 12. He says, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Is it going to take work to get to heaven? You know, you become saved, get in a saved condition by obeying the gospel, having faith after hearing the Bible, confessing that with your own mouth, repenting and being baptized, have your sins washed away. After that, does it take work to stay in that condition? Like you never dreamed. Always when people say, "What's well, easy to be a Christian. Oh, they must not know what being a Christian is then. Because I've done a lot of things in my life, and being a Christian is the most challenging thing I've ever done. And when I think I got it figured out, there's another challenge that comes and another challenge that comes and another challenge that comes. And it's going to be incredibly demanding. Now, God never allows me to be tempted beyond what I'm able. Matter of fact, he always supplies a way of escape. That's how come you've got to know the Bible so you know the way out. But we've got to work out our... Even staying saved is going to take a ton of energy and effort. It isn't just... Well, the Lord's going to save me. You know, I've told that silly story plenty of times about the flood and the guy in the house. And, you know, and he gets up to the second store, and they send a boat and he gets on the roof. They send another boat and he's on the top of it. They send a helicopter and he didn't take anything. And he gets before God and he says, Well, God, I was counting on you to save me. He said, I sent you two boats and a helicopter. What do you need? Sometimes we ask for things and we do things. But we're not willing to even take the effort to get a hold of what God has given us as a blessing. So even keeping your salvation, keeping our salvation, will take a lot of work. Oh, look at this one. I like this one a lot. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9. Now, I've worked in my life, done several things of physical nature. And let me tell you what, I've worked with people that I had to do almost all their work because they didn't do nothing. And a matter of fact, it would have been easier if they just didn't show up. And I've had other people who, man, I'd work with them any time because they'll do their part and they'll do more if you don't stay busy with them. They're getting on with it. So having the right coworker can definitely make the job easier, can't it? Or it can make it more difficult. So here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9, he says, For you are God's fellow workers. He goes on and says that thing, you are God's fellow workers. Now let me tell you what, so
1: your working partner is God. He's going to fall down on his part of the job, isn't he? Huh? He's not. Matter of fact, I think halftime, he's dragging me along.
0: But let me tell you what he expects me to be. I'm not in this for a free ride. God expects me to be a fellow worker. We don't need spectators. We need workers. My dad used to say sometimes, that person just appears to be a bump on a pew. They don't do nothing else. They show up, and that's it. And they don't show up very often. But they're not going to get in. They're not going to volunteer for anything. They're not going to jump in there. A fellow worker. Well, if you can have the partner of God being your fellow worker, and you think about what he said up in verse 6, we know well. Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered,
1: and God gave the increase or caused the growth. Fellow worker with God. Well, God's going to be my fellow worker. Is he going to know if I'm absent? He's going to know if I'm a belly anchor complainer. He's going to know everything.
0: Well, God, we need to be his fellow worker. And then I think about another passage of Scripture that really hits on that work aspect because as Ecclesiastes, man, you've got to be a worker. You can't use 150,000 excuses why you're not doing it. They're lame excuses. James chapter 2, verse 14 through 26 What's faith without works? Dead being by itself. It is totally useless. Faith without works is dead being by itself. Matter of fact, turn over to James 2. We'll just hit one verse real quick. Verse 20, are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Let me ask you this. If faith without works is useless, then what is a Christian that doesn't work? Useless. Christianity has great demands. And so we think about that. You know, I was always one of those people, if I was going to be on a job doing whatever, always think about old John Crothers. If you ever met John Crothers in Winfield Kansas, he'd be an interesting guy. He's been dead and gone for years. But he taught me in grade school about 5th or 6th grade, something like that. And I always remember I'd show up, and my dad was always to the building early, and John would be there, come in there. And, uh, he served during World War II, caught part of a grenade, scrapping in his knee and stuff. And, uh, so he would come, and he knew I was going to come, and he couldn't bend to tie his shoes. So he'd always come and, kid, look, at you tie my shoes? So I always tie his shoes every Sunday morning. Okay, Now, John was strong, strong. I mean, his grip was unbelievable. I seen him take a pair of 12-inch pliers and squeeze them until he snapped them. That's how strong he was. And uh, he used to, at one time, was a dairyman that milked by hand, like 75 cows every morning by hand. So he had a grip. But old John, he was a worker, and he appreciated people who worked. And I can remember sometimes we'd make the announcement we were going to have church camp, we're going to dig potatoes. He planted potatoes and kept going, we're going to dig potatoes. We're going to dig about 1,500 potatoes. And a lot of times, oh, John, he wasn't able to bend over and do this anymore. And a lot of times, only I showed up and dug 1,500 pounds of potatoes. Well, that's a lot of work. I wish some other people would show up and help. It's a whole lot easier with fellow workers but you know what? I'm not here to complain. Let's just dig the potatoes. Kids going to camp, they're going to need some potatoes to eat. Because I don't want to have to buy potatoes if we grew potatoes. I'm telling you, most people want the easy way out. Microwaves, call it in, Uber, whoever. Somebody's going to bring something to you, take you somewhere. They No one wants to do any work. I think that's funny what people consider work. But anyway. Uh, we've got to be workers for the Lord, and we've got to be on fire for Him. Jump back over to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Now, here's what you've got to remember in life. You've got to work. And my dad always used to tell me if it's worth having, it's worth working for. And you know what I found out? If you don't have to work for it, you never really appreciate it if it's all handed to you. If you had to bust yourself to get it, then it means something to you. Well, what he's going to go ahead and talk talk about here
1: is enjoy life, but remember judgment. Enjoy life, but remember judgment.
0: So he didn't give us these things so we wouldn't enjoy them, but we've got to enjoy them, but we've got to remember judgment day is coming, so I've got to enjoy them in a godly fashion. See, you know, I think fishing, hunting, Doing this and doing that is an enjoyable thing. But what if it keeps me away from coming together to worship the Lord? What if I went fishing today instead of being here? I forgot judgment, didn't I? So you can enjoy things in a wrong fashion at a wrong time, and what's good has now become evil. So we've got to remember that judgment day is a coming. Look at a couple passages with me over in the New Testament on that point before we turn back here at the end of uh, Ecclesiastes 11. But look over at 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 2. A little short verse, but look how important it is. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 2. For you yourselves know full well, The day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. If I ask you today, do you know Jesus will return? Everybody in here knows that, don't they? You fully, well, when's he coming? I don't know. Is he going to announce it? Nope. It's going to be honest like that. There's not going to be any time to repent when Jesus, well, I'll repent when he's coming. There won't be time. It's done. So he says, we know that full well. We know that. So we've got to enjoy life, but we've got to remember he can come back at
1: any moment. Hmm. You know, you think about that. Let's say that I've got something going
0: on and I just say, "Ah, it won't be be a problem to miss this one Sunday to do this. And let's just say that's the Sunday the Lord returns. Is that going to be a problem? You know, he's going to come one day. And nobody, and people aren't going to be ready. So I have to make sure that my life is ready every second of every day. And then I make sure I put him for, and there's no room to slide. And you're going to be workers. You're going to be getting on with it. It's not like you're going to be a spectator for a little while, but right when he's coming, I'll really pick up the work. No, it doesn't work like that. Look at another one. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 the first two uh, verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Look in this one here. A few things he's mentions here with this point. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and working together with him, who with who? Here we are being fellow workers with the Lord, right? Working together with him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. What's that mean? I become a Christian, but I'm not working for him. For he says, at the acceptable time, I will listen to you. And on the day of salvation, I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. What's he saying? Do it now. Don't wait. That reminds me of what Ananias told Saul of Tarsus when he showed What are you waiting on? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins. What is your problem? Don't you know there's no promise of tomorrow? Now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Wow, we've got to be ready all the time. Well, as Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes getting further and further in there and further in this, he talks about that and even talks about in this passage when you're a young man. You know, sometimes we excuse
1: sin of young people well they're young yeah that's not an excuse to sin
0: now it doesn't mean that god doesn't have certain expectations of people are older in certain because i already know he talks about younger women older women younger men and older men and they're not all those expectations are exactly the same but you don't get a well, they're just casting their wild oats. Well, they're going to be somebody casting wild oats when the Lord comes and they're in trouble. So we've got to make sure that we're living for the Lord, and I've got to make sure I'm right. You know what happens a lot of times? We worry about everyone else not being right with the Lord. Now, not that we don't need to be concerned about it, but I've got to make sure I'm right. When We take the Lord's Supper, Lord willing, here in a little while. That's an important time, isn't it? All the worship's important. But it says what I'm supposed to be examining is
1: whoever's standing up here if their shirt's tucked in straight. Well, I've got to see if their shoelaces are tied right.
0: No, it says, Kendall, here's what you better You better be examining yourself. I'd rather point out other people's flaws than look at myself. Examine yourself. Well, I might not like what I see. Well, then you better fix it. Examine yourself. You know, it's kind of interesting, and we can have a false concept of what we see. You've heard, look through rose-colored glasses. You know, it's kind of interesting. You probably look at yourself in the mirror some every day doing something, brushing teeth doing something, and, you know, you see that and everything. And then all of a sudden, you either see you and someone's making a recording or something or taking a picture, and you think, oh, man, I look like that.
1: You get a little more realistic
0: look at the old, oh, man. I look at it and say, boy, he sure looks good. No, you look at that and you think, what is this? But we've got to be honest when we examine ourselves, right? We've got to be honest, and we've got to make sure we do examine ourselves. So as we look on in this and we think about that, and even some some passages, two passages I mentioned yesterday
1: at... um, Bill's memorial service, and I want to thank Carlene for leaving these
0: flowers for us because it makes the eye strain looking up here on me not as bad. But Anyway, um, thank her for that. But two of the past we did mention, we did mention Hebrews 9.27. It's appointed unto man, wants to die after this. guy, You know, that's either good or bad. I'm glad judgment comes after this because I'm planning on the right judgment being made and having a home in heaven. But there's been times in my life, I tell you straight up, it wouldn't have been good. I'd have been in bad shape. If I'd have died in that condition, I'd have been cast into an eternal hell. I'm glad God was patient and gave me that time. But he didn't promise me that time. But we have to remember We've got to do what he says to do. It's appointed. It's appointed. It's an appointment. And we can look at passages like Acts chapter 17, verse 30, especially verse 31, that said God's already chose today. He knows when his son's coming back. You don't know. I don't know. And, I don't, and he's not waiting to see what plays out on the earth. He's already decided. You do know God can see all of time at one glance, so he doesn't have to wait for time. That's beyond me. But then he goes on and says, here's what you got to remember. And we mentioned this passage too, James 4 and verse 14. And I think we don't see sometimes how realistic this is. Life is a vapor. And the older we live, the more realistic that becomes, doesn't
1: it? When you're young, you just think you're going to live forever. I try to remind people, I don't care how old you are in this room. I've spoke at funeral services, people younger than you. And no one thought it would happen. And no one, if they, if
0: they could have sidestepped it, they would have. But we've got to be prepared. We've got to be ready. So jump back over to Ecclesiastes here, real quick. And uh, I want to show you something from verses 9 and 10. He says. Rejoice, young man, during your childhood. You know, kids need to have a happy childhood, right? I think about things, Tammy thinks they're silly. I think about little things, you know. My mom had this common practice at Easter time, and it was kind of different than anybody else's that I know of. But we'd go out and we'd make these little nests in the yard. We'd pull up grass and weeds and stuff, make us a little nest. And when you got up in the morning. Guess what the Easter bunny did? Left your stuff in that little nest. Easter bunnies can't open doors and come in houses, so we weren't stupid kids like city kids. We had this figured out. And so but my mom would talk about it, so she'd go out there and get all that ready and she'd have to shoo dogs off and cats off and all that. But as a little kid see, I still have fond memories of that. You can think about all kinds of things. I think it's terrible. Some kids never have any enjoyment. They had a terrible life. Well, he says, I'm telling you what, here's how it should be. In your childhood, let your heart be pleasant during the days of your young manhood. You know, so I can tell you about things and, you know, this and that. And follow the impulses
1: of your heart and the desires of your eyes. Yet, so that's within reason, yet know that God will bring you to judgment for all these things. Woo! So let me tell you what, you need to do what's pleasant, what appeals to you, only if it's godly. Wow. Go on to that last verse here in chapter 11.
0: So, remove grief and anger from your heart. How do you do that? We mentioned another passage, cast all your anxieties or cares upon me. You've got to give it to the Lord. You know, some things I can't fix. Now, I'm a guy who wants to fix stuff on all kinds of levels. I'll fix it. I can fix it. I can do that. But let's just get it. And sometimes people expect you, I can't fix that. You think I can fix that. I don't get to make people's choices for them. I can't fix that. And the things I can't fix, I have to have enough sense to know, I'll give it to the Lord. He's the only one that can fix that. And I also have to know if the Lord's fixing it, he'll fix it the way he said he'll fix it. And so we look, so remove grief and anger from your heart and put away pain from your body. Wouldn't that be nice? What's he saying? You probably ought to take care of yourself a little bit. Sometimes you can cause grief for yourself, can't you? Are there some people that have health problems because of the ungodly they lived when they were younger? Yeah, my dad kind of told me his stories along the way. I thought he's telling me the truth. When he told me hard work never hurt anybody, well, I can still tell you a few things I did that was hard work that still has some pain involved in it. But I know what he was saying. Usually people who work hard live longer, live happier, and have more fulfilled life anyway. And so here he says, because... Childhood
1: and the prime of your life is fleeting. You know, we talk about that. I was talking to Dylan about getting a haircut. There was a day I used to have hair. There was. There was a day I didn't have to put these on to read. There was a day when I could leap tall buildings in a
0: single bound. No, maybe not that much. But, you know, still, you look. I mean, I still, I thank God for the blessings He's given me with physical health, and I can do a lot of things, but I can't do them the way I used to do it. At half my age, I'm now, I could do things that I can't even think about doing now. Definitely not at the rate of speed and the way I could do it then. Because, you know what? Life's fleeting. And when you're young, you can do this and you can do that and life's good and you think it's never going to have an end. He says, let me tell you what, you need to enjoy that, but you need to know it will change. So I think about when I was young and could turn a 40-yard
1: time in four or six.
0: I got to ride on something pretty fast to do
1: that now. That's not even going to happen. And so you know what? A lot of people get negative about that. And if you focus on the
0: past, you will be negative.
1: What we got to do is work now
0: and focus on eternity.
1: And so when we get to the book
0: of Ecclesiastes, right down to the end, you've heard it so many times. And I don't feel bad about telling you this all the time because I think we need to be reminded of it. I need to hear it all the time. Well, Kendall, when everything's been said, when everything's been heard, here it is, fear. God, we're going to hammer that in a few weeks, and keep His commandments. It takes both those things. Fear God and keep His commandments.
1: Because this applies to all the women in the room. It does, but it applies to all the men, and it applies to everyone. For God, Kendall, will bring every act to judgment. You know, when I think about that, you know, there's things I've done in my life I don't want to be judged for. Well, because of the blood
0: of Christ, I don't have to be judged for it. If I fear God and keep His commandments, but He's going to bring everything that isn't taken care of by the blood of Christ into judgment, whether good,
1: I'm that's that's okay. Or, evil or bad. So, we've got to remember what he's told us here.
0: Work hard and remember judgment. Enjoy life, but remember judgment. Remember that eternity is at the end of this life. And everyone will stand before the judgment seat of God. And here's what I long to hear, and I'm pretty sure what you long to hear. Enter in... Thou good and faithful servant, not depart from me. I never knew you. We're going to hear one of the two things. So we're going to get ready to sing this invitation song that Vernon has chose for us today, and realize in Christ there's hope, assurance, mercy, grace, forgiveness, and salvation, just to mention a few. And outside of Christ, there's not one
1: single spiritual blessing. If we can help you this morning, please come as we stand and say.